the crazy part about it was that most businesses, and we're taught from a very young age, you know, studying economics at school or business studies or whatever kind of subject you did at school, it, we're taught our features and benefits and we're taught our, and it's all about competence. It's all about showing and communicating your competence. Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, Jay, I am so super excited to have you on the show today. We met through Podcast Business School and Adam Shibley, and I love you have a podcast too, The Remarkable Project. I like, as I just said to you before I hit record, I love your website. So share with everybody a little bit about what you do and the magic you make. Um, Well, uh, I I probably have to start by saying, I I think um, you you and I connecting through Adam, the the man with the smoothest voice um, uh, in in, in radio. I I love, uh, you know, the, the environment he sets up and it's, it's, it's been warm with everyone I've connected with uh through him um so i run a company called remarkably and host the remarkable project and as the name suggests we are all about how you build a business that people feel compelled to talk about and um i I guess the that has come out of um my journey running a digital agency for 11 years and then realizing that um, we are starting to look at marketing as almost like a commoditized piece rather than a um, uh, something that is really the the bedrock of creating really truly um, good relationship with customer and solving problems. So that's really where the the business sort of came out of is how do you actually start to compound your marketing dollar? And turn it into and turn your customer into your strongest marketing asset, um, and we help companies do that. Which I think is so cool because when your customers love you, like they are crazy, abundantly joyful fans, and they naturally attract other customers for you. And it's like the easiest way to create that ripple effect. Absolutely, I, and and. Um, done really well uh they become investors in your business not not financial investors but invested in your success Um, why because of the fact that they start to connect your identity their identity to your business and your brand and and start to create a sort of pseudo community around um uh, something that they believe in and, and and want to succeed 
Yeah, absolutely. I want to back up for a minute too. So everybody kind of gets your backstory before we dive sure. into um, all the questions I have. Why start your own business? Like it's not the easy path, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I to be honest, I wish someone had told me that before I started, <laughs> right? Because uh, I totally agree. It is has been not only a, a difficult path, um, uh, sort of just problem solving the business stuff, but it's the way it meshes into personal and. Um, uh, the psychological piece around how the the mind games, um, how I came out of it, and we were talking before we we, we hit record today. But uh, really, the story for me is that I, I am probably a leader um, before I'm an entrepreneur, and um, that sounds great. But really, that's the diplomatic or or nice way of saying is that I'm a terrible employee, um, and. <laughs> Uh, because of the fact that I'm a divergent thinker, I'm constantly looking at different ways of doing things. I'm a problem solver. Um, so uh, I, I think probably that's what it was born out of is that I, I felt that I could solve more problems as a business owner um, and running my own show than I could uh, for, for somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the, the 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 seed of it anyway. Uh, well, I align with you. I once told my parents and my dad got it. My mom, I had to explain a little bit to her because she has been out of the workforce for a while. I said, I'm unhirable at this point in my existence. And she's like, you have all these great skills. And I'm like, I do, which means that I'm also used to calling the shots. <laughs> and, yeah. And thinking outside and it- the box and... And like, and I laugh at, and like, I'm, that excites me. Like, I don't see that yeah. as a bad thing. It just, my entire life has been, and I think similar to you probably, um, my entire life has been, how do I MEIs it, right? So how do I do it the way that works for me? Cause I don't fit into the box. Yeah. And and the interesting it. thing though, is I, I find it almost like a kryptonite as well is because of the fact yeah. that there are, there are, um, you know the things that are your strengths are often um, your weaknesses as well, and where you uh, where I show up the strongest, I also need to be extremely self aware of that. That's not necessarily how everyone wants me to show up in those in those kind of moments. So although I say I'm a terrible employee and those kind of things, a lot of the things that make me a terrible employee. Um, from a customer business perspective are also things that are important too. Um, so uh, th- that relationship is similar. So yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a balancing act. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So at what point were you deciding that, you know, you know, I'm going to like not work in corporate anymore and, and do this thing and take the leap. Uh, yeah. Listen, so Probably the other piece of me is I'm, I'm I love sales. I, I love and not sales in a sort of you know running out the door at crazy crazy prices kind of sales, but sales in a in a um, finding creative ways to solve problems and um, building relationship and those kind of things. And that, I think that was bred out of uh, my father ran his own business. Uh, he was probably in Australia that I guess. Um, one of the madmen advertising guys, you know, uh, back in the day where, you know, all of the advertising and design was done through 
cutting up images and sticking them on and you know those kind of things before the day of uh, days of of computer and how we do it digitally now but um and so watching him was probably the the starting point for what turned into my career um but i i cut my teeth in sales really and really hardcore sales and i, I feel like my journey prior to becoming an entrepreneur and my passion area, which is trust and how you build trusting relationships, um, stemmed from a pretty ugly exp- uh, couple of experiences um, selling door-to-door and selling B2B and um, using old-school methods of generating leads and, and prospects. Phone book? Phone book. Uh, you, you know, and, and, and it's all, it was all managed off, off the back of, you know, quantity, not quality. You know, mm-hmm. let's do a hundred calls this week. Let's do a hundred. You got to pick up a hundred cards, you know, this kind of mentality. Everyone's a number, you know, um, everything resets on the first of the month. You know, it's uh, yeah, crazy. I had a very brief stint um, selling life insurance for a right. for a company in my 20s in the 90s and that literally was the marketing strategy was go through the phone book and it's crazy right like, yeah yeah i didn't last long again <laughs> so kudos to you <laughs> but again with every every painful experience there's a flip side to it right and and it, it, it taught me extreme resilience. It taught me um, uh, the power of um, relationship and how to actually compound existing so that you could avoid the cold. Um, you know, all of that kind of stuff was, I, I got out of those, those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. There's always something. Yeah. Maybe you don't see it until 20 years later, but there's always something. <laughs> That's right. That's what keeps me, you know, lets me sleep at night. Yeah. If I can look at it that way. Exactly. So you're starting your business. um, And what were some of the biggest learning experiences you've had over the years? Um, Probably the biggest milestone for me. um, I I read a book years ago um, called The Human Brand. Mm -hmm. And it really, for, for me, solidified a lot of my um, feelings around how business should be run. And I've, I've always felt a bit sort of round peg, square hole as far as working in a capitalist society and, you know, um, I'll do this for you if you give me money. I've, I've always felt like surely there's something richer that should come out of this Um and so this this book really spoke to that and and took the science and a lot of the uh, you know uh, I guess behavioral science and and what we know about trust and the components of trust and layered it across business and showed how uh, companies do this really well and how companies um, do this poorly um, and for me. That started that that for me uh, discovering those components of trust, which I'd done a fair bit of reading on prior to that, um, sent me on this journey of this all comes back to trust. 
this uh, everything here comes back to trust. So as far as learnings are concerned, that that's probably the piece that was the biggest turning point in my career. Um, and I, I think probably the only other thing would be coupling that with how products and services, how commoditized we're um, becoming in products and services. And that the learning that customer service is no longer um, something that you can put on, on your about page as your unique selling point anymore, because we expect that. Um, so that, that those, this, this idea that there's nothing unique in products and services anymore is, a, is, is probably one of the other kind of aha moments that I had um, that sort of changed the, direct, the, the trajectory, I guess, of where uh, my business growth and, and our business went. Yeah, I'm curious, um, like once you decided or you, you kind of understood that too, and you're so focused on creating remarkable brands, how do you do that without giving away all your secret sauce? Uh, how do you how do you make companies stand out? Yeah, listen, uh, and happy to give the secret sauce. So, um, full open book on 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 what we're all about. But but um, listen, the first starting point is acknowledging, and the bit that I re- I'm, I'm you know I can't sort of go into that without sort of uh, giving an understanding of what I'm extremely passionate about, and 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 trust is broken up really into two components. The first component being your level of competence, so your reliability, your ability to show up and do what you say you're going to do and all of that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. the second piece and the bit that was sort of this massive aha moment for me um, was the discovery that the second piece is your ability to successfully communicate your warmth of intention. And the crazy part about it was that most businesses, and we're taught from a very young age, you know, studying economics at school or business studies or whatever kind of subject you did at school, it, we're taught our features and benefits and we're taught our, and it's all about competence. It's all about showing and communicating your competence. Um, the crazy part, though, is that if we are missing that level of warmth of intention but have amazing competence, we become pretty vanilla. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if we're missing the competence, but we have strong warmth of intention, so we're able to feel as a customer your that you care about us, that you have that level of warmth, then we will forgive you for your lack of competence. Um, and we've all been in that experience where a company doesn't do something that they should have done, but someone gets on the phone and goes, oh, we've really stuffed up. I'm really sorry. Um, we'll, and we forgive them. Mm-hmm. But the other way around where we don't think they actually care about us, we will probably find the better price or we'll find the, you know, um, uh, the slightly better product, even though it puts us through a bit of pain to actually do that. So then I, so, so for me, the substance of this is all to do with this level of warmth of intention. How do you successfully communicate that you care about your customer? And that comes down to creating unexpected, remarkable moments throughout your customer experience. Um, and so everything that we do around remarkably sort of 
plays out into sort of three different areas. First is identifying what that is. Um, so really getting clear on your customer intention statement. Um, what is it the transformation that you want to take your customer through rather than uh, just your vision or your purpose, which is still very company focused. It's really identifying what is the impact that the long-term impact that we have, we want for our customer, which I'm happy to go deeper on if, you, if you'd like. The, the second piece is creating unexpected, remarkable moments and building that level of word of mouth for your customer. Um, and that's not only about creating awesome moments, but it's about creating the, the motivation, the opportunity. So making it simple enough that they can share it and talk about it in a simple way, the relevance to them and what they're all about. And also making that emotional connection that you, you, you know, you so clearly want um, with your customer. Um, and the last is once you've got those first two in line is how do we take this audience that we, you know, we all use the word audience and how do we convert that into a um, compounding community of advocates and create a container for them to show up so that we can facilitate and almost productize the water cooler for them where they become invested in our brand and um, we create remarkable moments for them. I love that because it resonates with me so much. Um, two reasons. One, I think those little moments are what stay with you, right? It's not the big stuff frequently. It's this little touch, this little thing, this little acknowledgement that sticks with people. And two, um, this was like a decade ago, I was living out in the burbs and there were no great restaurants and I'm a foodie. And I was like, I just want to have a remarkable experience. And apparently I said it enough so that my brother bought me a mug with the definition of remarkable on it. Um, and he's like, this is you. He's like, you, this is what you're looking for. Um, and then, and that's part of why I so resonate with you is because you're looking for exceptional and not from a grandiose plan, but how to help have those tiny moments over and over and over again. Absolutely. And, and it is, it doesn't take, this is the big misconception or the, the, the biggest uh, myth when it comes to building a remarkable brand. It doesn't, it, it's not expensive. It's just an intentional, um, we are going to be a remarkable brand. Um, that decision in itself, um, we're going to be customer focused and we just, so many businesses fall into the trap of, I get it. You've got to get sales through the door, but the long game here is that you can actually create advocates for your brand that last the test of time. Mm -hmm. Can you give some like tangible examples for people who are listening or like, well, how do I create like a remarkable moment? What would be considered a moment? And I know it's going to vary depending on industry, but. Great. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you, I've got two that come to mind that if you don't, if you can spare me the time, um, of the, the first one is my own, actually both of them, are my own experience. The, the, the first one was I, we, uh, and I always uh, stumble over this because of the fact that I'm not sure whether they call it. Um, I'm from Australia, so I don't know whether they call it decks in Australia, in the U S where you build a deck out the back. A deck, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Is that the okay. same? I don't know whether it's veranda or is it, yeah. anyway. So we've got a deck out the back of our place and we decided to get it redone. So um, sanded back and then and and uh, oiled again and all of that kind of thing. And so we, you know, did the standard thing where we um, looked through the paper and found the right person and, you know, he ended up coming out and he did an amazing job. But, you know, it was... Uh, did exactly how what he said he would do. His competence was high. <laughs> uh, but he left and, you know, we were happy with the result and it was all good. Three months later, we had a knock at the door and he showed up with a small tin of decking oil and just said, his words were, it gives me chills thinking about it, his words were, um, uh, I've been thinking about your deck and it probably with all the rain that we've been having, probably needs an extra little bit of oil. And I thought I'd drop this around to give it to you. Now, just in that slight, now he can put that into like everyone sort of, um, when I tell this story goes, oh yeah, but you know, resource and you know, this and that. He can factor that tin of oil into his initial quote for doing the deck. He can also put a calendar, a reminder that three months after he's done that, that he needs to pop in and drop off that can of oil. I'm not expecting it. So if he's a day late on that, you know, that can of oil or whatever, Great. it wouldn't matter, right? <laughs> but that small moment made made me a customer for life, right? Well, and what did the can of oil cost him? 20 bucks? Exactly. Yeah. If that, if that, yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah, like that's... That, it's such a small moment. Uh, the other one, which is an interesting one because of the fact that I wasn't, I didn't end up being a customer of theirs. So they got zero dollars out of me, but I've spoken about this company for a very long time. So um, I decided to buy a pillow. And this pillow was because of the fact that, you know, for some reason, I've never had a, any trouble sleeping um, up until, you know, in the last year or two. But um, uh, I, decided to buy an expensive pillow because of the fact that I, you know, I was starting to get a sore neck and this kind of thing. Anyway, so I'd done, I, I had, I have, I had done my research and I'd figured out who the best reviewed pillow was. And it was through a company called Koala here in Australia. Nice in, you know, every time I told, tell an American that name, they go, Oh God, call an Australian <laughs> company Koala. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um but, yeah, so anyway, they're a very well-known bedding company here in Australia and they're called Koala. Anyway, they, they, this pillow um, was slightly expensive and so I had a bit of cognitive dissonance around, uh, did I make the right decision here? Is this for... But they did a 90-day trial. So if you weren't happy in three months, you could send it back, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I've, I've always seen these return... Um, clauses as a little bit like you know the guarantee that no one ends up taking up you know i always sort of feel a bit yeah i know what that is it's sort of you know, you know that most people won't return and you're going to make it difficult for me to return and you know all of that kind of thing anyway the pillow shows up in a box um and i go to open it and as i'm opening the box it starts to play me twinkle twinkle little star um <laughs> in the box uh -huh. now this is a little gizmo that they've plugged into the side of the box probably cost a couple of bucks you know it, it wasn't expensive 
But that moment I called my wife in or I called my kids in and my kids sat there to opening the box and closing the box, you know, just to, to, and then I took a video of it and then I'm writing an email about it, uh, an email newsletter about it. And then I'm posting it on social media and all from this little moment that they didn't tell me about that would happen. Um, but it was an unexpected moment. Then, you know, tried the pillow out and I didn't like it. It, it wasn't, it, its competence was no good. <laughs> However, I picked up the phone and said, listen, I'm really sorry, but I want to return this pillow. The response I got from this company was, oh, I am so sorry it hasn't worked out. All right, let me see what I can do to fast track your refund and make this, uh, this make your return as seamless as possible. And so they paid for everything. They had someone, uh, I, I live in a remote area, so up on top of a mountain, right? Uh, and they had someone come and pick it up from my house and, you know, the return and I had the refund within 48 hours, you know? Wow. And I was like, wow, you know, this is the company I've, they've made $0 out of me, you know, um, nothing. And yet the experience is something that I will talk about and talk about and talk about because of, and so they know that they've invested in the long game. They haven't invested in the short game. They've invested in the long game of me being as, as big an advocate, not a customer of their company than if I was a customer. So there's, there's two examples of, I think, just little small moments of just investing and saying, now, actually, no, we're going to invest in long game here rather than short game and build little moments that turn our audience into you know, compounding advocates for our brand. Yeah. Never mind the PR that they're getting. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you. you know, we're, we're talking about it now and, you know, it, you know, yeah. the, the, I've mentioned it on my podcast. I've, you know, it just, and they become in my view, a, a remarkable brand and they're not doing anything incredible they're just showing up in a purely customer-focused way with a true intention for my success in finding the right solution. Simple, really. <laughs> right? And if we all did that, the world would be a happier place. Absolutely. Absolutely. In all areas of life, really. It's the sort of how can we show up the best for other people? Mm -hmm. So anyway. I want to shift gears a little bit because um, I'm really curious about how you, and I'm going to air quote balance because I don't really, I don't really believe in balance. So how you find fluidity um, between running and growing your business and the podcast and you have kids, so homeschooling your kids. Um, and, and I'm in, I say that in awe because I might be able to do it now, but when I had my kids in my twenties, I thought about homeschooling them and there is no way at that point I could have homeschooled my oldest. Like he and I are too much alike and which is funny because we work really well together now. Um, but it would have been just headbutting the whole time. Mm. And that's a lot, like that's a lot of time and a lot of different focuses. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think for me, uh, the path to 
to balancing or finding fluidity, as you said, um, with all of those areas is having a really clear understanding of what's the priority. Um, that was the starting point for me. And the priority has always been um, my kids uh, that, 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 uh, and, you know, my family generally. Um, and being able to, uh, I, I've always seen it as a privilege to have a seat at their table. So, um, and, and having, you know, as we all do, as far as our experiences as um, sons or daughters of other people, um, mm -hmm. of our parents, and then going, okay, what, how, I, how do I want to do it differently or the same or that kind of thing? So I, I've always had this premise of um, my, my family has always been first. And I, I know that that's sort of everyone would say that, but when, when things get hard, it always comes back to that is where, how do I um, lean back into, into family here? So as far as homeschooling, so once I have that priority structure down pat, a lot mm -hmm. of it just comes down to time then, right? Um, it comes down to um, early mornings rather than late nights. It, you know, those kind of things end up starting to play out because I want to spend the time with my kids in the afternoon and, and my kids in the evening. And, um, and so as far as the homeschooling piece is concerned, um, we've got a, you know, a pretty tight ship when it comes to how, that plays out for our kids and um it, it has been uh, through through empowering them it has often been led by them um so it, it doesn't become a top-down kind of relationship with the with my and my wife's perspective of it is a privilege to have a seat at their table rather than the other way around mm. um it becomes something that's a very collaborative play rather than a, um, and a learning experience rather than a teaching experience. Um, and I, I probably learn more off being a parent than I have off doing any other, other thing in my life. Yeah. Um, your parenting style sounds very similar to mine, uh, particularly as a single mom. And I, really gave my kids a voice to say, this works for me, this doesn't work for me. Um, I don't wanna do this, I do wanna do that. Um, and I found, and, and it sounds like you have a similar experience that if you stop telling your kids what to do and just listen to them, like they're really intuitively brilliant and sometimes far wiser than we are. <laughs> Yeah, the, the biggest, you asked me, you know, my learnings earlier. And the one thing that's really sort of shaped the way in which I've thought about all of this stuff is knowing that as humans, we're all irrational. <laughs> like, and every decision we make is completely and utterly irrational. It's based off a bias that we've had before. Um, we think it's logic, but it's totally emotional and we backfill with you know ration uh, uh, with log we try and backfill with logic to justify an emotional decision and so once you're okay or comfortable with the idea that we're all irrational the interesting part is that um, kids are often 
cleaner when it comes to those biases than adults. Uh, they haven't got all of the hangups and the baggage like like we do, and probably see the world in a uh, more pure way yeah. um, than we do. And so you're completely right. I think that um, uh, if we stop and listen, often um, they have the right answer. <laughs> and we're coming from all of this. How will that look? What will you know? Um, our biases basically get in the way. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, my younger guy is very introverted and played football in high school and he did his thing during Monday through Friday and then Saturday mornings they had practice. And then he would go to his room for the rest of the weekend, do his homework and do nothing. And that was how he managed the the work and the, the interaction with everybody else. And I was for a long time concerned he wasn't getting enough social activity or hanging out with the football team. And he finally explained to me, this is what he needed so he could do the thing so that he could be great at learning to play football better and exceeding in his classes. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Me. (laughs) <laughs> and then I just, I mean, we still tease him because he is kind of hermity in general, but it's good natured, but we all honor that that's what he needs. Like that's yep. it. And we give him his space to do that. And, and I think learning that and accepting it has given me a lot of space to be accepting of my clients or other people that I'm interacting with in whatever it is they're going through. And, and just yeah yeah where wherever they show up with and, and where they get their power yeah. from yeah is how do you decide to like what what's your kind of decision making process um because it's I, I would think it's still easy to get pulled into two directions between work and and family um which thing is going to come first when it gets really busy um obviously i mean we all deal with work stress and um you know juggling um i guess how uh, we we balance the two as far as so so i'm not i'm not going to pretend like i've got that sorted um but i would I, again i go back to um family comes first so i i prioritize the moments when i um when the kids say that there's something important they'd like uh, they'd like to show me then it's pens down and taking that five minutes or if there's um you know so so i i try and compartmentalize as much as possible i try and create deep moments of productivity and um uh, use time when either they're asleep or um to to uh, uh, mix and match my time with with uh, when i get to hang out with them and and um yeah be it with sounds, them and collaborate with them yeah it sounds amazing um i did i did some of that as they were older particularly we would have um we refer to it as connection time but right before all the high school stuff started and they were busy after school and and no longer cared that i was there we would have connection time right after school to talk about who was doing what and where and what the best part of their days were and then their friends started coming over and it was like, what are you grateful for? And what did you learn? And it's yeah, cool. 
like there's so cool. moments that I'm sure you experience the same thing that like you can't get back because you didn't stop and put the pen down. Absolutely. And, it, and, it, and again, if it's, if the priority is to always have a seat at their table, if there's a legacy piece there, which is, is important to, to me is that, um, uh, that they see me as a best friend before, a, before a parent, um, then, that requires investment and it requires time. So, yeah. yeah absolutely. I'm going to shift gears. We're going to have to wrap up shortly. Um, one mm. more time. For somebody who was either thinking about starting a business or um, really leveling up, like, you know, they're at wherever they're at in their business and want to expand growth, what advice would you give them? Listen, I, I think often we start businesses um, for the wrong reasons. And I'll explain what I mean is that I, I think you're, you, you're either in a, a job already and you feel like you could do it better um, or why do I need to be employed to do this? Mm -hmm. um, and often, and that's a great way to get motivated to sort of start the ball rolling, but you and I both know that that doesn't last um, when the realities of business kick in, um, you realize that the actual running of a business is a job in itself um, outside of the actual doing, um, uh, doing the work and being the person. So, so the entrepreneurial piece is really important. I would be suggesting, and I'm going to talk shop here a little bit, but really getting clear on the impact that you want to have on your customer is and getting crystal clear on not just, you know, I want to create amazing websites for my customers, but what's the so that after that? So if, if I was to say, you know, I want to create amazing websites for my customers, so that what, you know, do you want them to so that they can have more freedom? Do you want them so that they can, you know, the, the deck builder ex, uh, example we gave before, you know, a deck builder isn't award-winning decks. The intention of a deck builder could be so that families can spend more time together. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you get really crystal clear on an intention or an impact that you're going to have, the crazy part about that, or the, I guess the injection of steroids you put into your business at startup phase is incredible because let's take the deck builder again, example, if you're hanging marketing off, um, I want to be the best deck builder. There's a very vanilla, same, same kind of um, way in which you're going to go about marketing. It's going to be the images of the, of the deck and the, the best oils and the, this and the, that, and the, maybe an award here or there and some testimonials. If you focus on, I want to bring families together and I want families to spend more time together, think mm -hmm. about where you would show up for sponsorships. Think about where you would show how your website would really be, how personal you may get in your videos online, how, you know, all of that, how you employ the next person. Is this next employee going to help families spend more time together? right? Once you get really clear on that, suddenly it opens up this unique set of um, opportunity for incredible growth 
for mm -hmm. your business. So that's probably the biggest thing for me is, is how do you get really clear on the impact and the transformation you're taking your customer through? Yeah, I have to agree. Um, and I really hadn't thought about it, but that's where I take my clients back through several years in frequently because right. they haven't thought about it. They haven't done some of that, that pre-work and it takes, I think, time um, and, and some diligence to really work through the and that and that so they can on a couple of yeah. different levels, but it really informs everything else you're doing. So thank you for that. No worries. Yeah. Amazing. Jay, I love cool. having you on. We could talk for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Unpacking. Yeah, there's so much. I feel like we just touched like a little drop in the ocean. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Jay, yeah. For people who want to connect with you and know more about you, um, where's the best place to do that? Probably a good jumping off place is um, the Remarkably website, um, R-E-M-A-R-K-A-B-L-Y um, uh, .com.au is, uh, make sure you put the A-U at the end. Um, uh, there's the podcast, links to the podcast in there, um, a lot about what we do and how we do it, some philosophy stuff around how should it, you should approach things. Um, and listen, uh, as I hope I've been today, I'm an open book. So jump on to LinkedIn and connect with me because I'd love to um, answer any questions, uh, help anyone that's looking to improve their overall experience and build community. I'm going to suggest to everybody that they go check out your website because it's amazing. And for me, it was a remarkable experience. Oh, awesome. Great. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's fun and interesting to read um, and, and unique. So I think people could learn a lot. Uh, Great. Guns. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> check it out. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 